Morning, everyone. Thanks for your hand. It's great to be with you all. Uh, thanks for allowing me to actually speak to you rather than just sing with you this week. It'd be nice to hopefully hear a little bit of a different side of my voice if you're not used to hearing me speak. Um, although I can, all I can promise is a very nasal uh, tone to it. So you got me, I'm afraid. But it's been great hearing some of your words as well this morning. Thanks for sharing them, everyone. And uh, some of those themes will actually kind of reappear in, in what we're going to say. So I'll, I, I might link back to a few of them. Um, but this morning, I just want to ask you a question to start. Have you ever wondered how you can have more of Jesus? I think lots of us uh, will probably say yes to that. I think it's easy to go about your life and think, how do I actually um, you know, increase the way that Jesus is working in my life? How do I increase my dependence on him? How do I increase the way that I am like him? And so um, this morning, we're going to run through... Uh, part of the letter that Paul wrote to the Galatians and um, see some some practical ways of doing that as well. So just some background to this letter, at least the point we're going to pick up. So at this point, after Jesus has left earth, the church has actually grown to the point where there are more non-Jewish Christians than there were Jewish Christians. Um, But a group of these Jews still believe that to become a part of God's family, despite what Jesus had taught, to become a part of God's family, the non-Jewish Christians still had to obey the Israelites' practices from the Old Testament law. Uh, in particular, circumcision, you'll see that mentioned. That's what that's referring to more generally as well, the law of, of the Old Testament. So these uh, these false teachers, as they get referred to, actually travelled to a church in Galatia and were undermining Paul, saying that you must follow these laws to be saved. Um And so that's why Paul wrote this part of this letter. And he's already started the letter by saying how he's been sent by God under God's authority, that he was actually commissioned by Jesus himself. And back in Acts 15, you can read that he actually travelled back to see elders in Jerusalem uh, to consult with them to see if they were supporting his his view. So we're going to pick up Galatians 2, verse 11. When Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, these are the the false teachers that I was talking about. Before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. Again, those people that were, were teaching that you need to be circumcised to be saved. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy, so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. He's just kind of highlighting the hypocrisy in that. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? We who are, like, we who are Jews by birth, and not sinful Gentiles, know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ, and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves also among the sinners, doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, then I really would be a lawbreaker. 
For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. If you want a, a nice cheesy title for this, if you're, if you're a note taker and you want a little thing to scribble down, you can have heart is where the home is. Has there ever been a time in your life where you've been scared to do something for fear of what other people think? I imagine there's, there's plenty of cases where you've been, um, you know, ready to, to step out in something of faith, but you actually think, what if other people think I'm crazy? I'm sure there's a few people here who have moved up from Nottingham to Manchester and they would have been telling their, their friends at the time, we're going to leave Nottingham where we have a home, we have our base, and we're going to just move to Manchester. And they go, oh, cool, have you got a new job? Uh, no. Oh, cool, have you, uh, have you got friends up there? No, I don't know anyone there, actually. Oh, oh cool. Uh, there must be a nice coffee shop around the corner. Yeah, probably, but we don't know that yet. Those people must have thought that you're crazy for leaving a place where you have security, you have comfort, you have friends, family, to go somewhere completely new. And, and uh, props to all of you who did move because it can't have been easy. And I'm sure it was a scary time of, of just putting pure dependence on God and um, relying on him to, to come through. But we, we, in, in verses 11 to 14, if we look back, we'll see that Peter was actually taken in by these, these false teachers, the people that were teaching that you are justified by works, not by faith. And they, those teachers set out to destroy him. And Peter was afraid of the criticism that he was going to face by, um, by actually remaining true to himself. So instead, he ended up by, he, he gradually withdrew from, uh, you know, eating with the, the Gentiles and gradually withdrew from socialising with them and all sorts of things so that he wasn't then criticised by these false teachers. Um, and I, I think we've also all been there at some point where there's things that we, we know we should do, where we should remain true to ourselves, but are scared of the criticism that we might face for doing that. And if you can, think of a time in your life where you've faced what I'm going to call the easy choice, which sometimes is is not the Jesus choice. And following Jesus won't be without criticism. And in many ways, it would be wrong if it were without criticism. If if it looked normal, then that would almost be wrong. I think Jesus Jesus promised in ways that it would not be easy to follow him. But Paul says that they were not following the truth of the gospel message. He's saying that Peter, Peter, Peter makes a number of mistakes at this point. He caved in and he, he forgot the trueness of the gospel, which is not only wrong, but it, it just completely contradicts the message that Jesus brought not long before. And if we look at verse 14, it says uh, that you were, they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel. There's no ambiguity here that their teaching is directly contradictory to the very gospel that Jesus brought. That he, he was saying we are saved through his grace, not through following some laws, not through um, circumcision or whatever these people were teaching, but we are saved by faith in Jesus. 
and to to mix these things together actually starts to make a mockery of his grace and of the cross. And then we move on to to verse 15, where he, he begins to break down and kind of reiterate what the gospel is. The gospel they've just completely forgotten about at this point. That we are, if we look at verse 15, we are at 15 onwards, sorry. We know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. You almost can't put it more simply than that. And here, when it says we are just, a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Christ. When we're saying someone's justified, it has multiple strands of meaning, but in particular, it means to be in a right relationship with God, to be forgiven and given a place in God's family. And all of that results in transformation by grace. It means we are shown justice. God is, is shown justice to us and freeing us. We are freed by this justice. And throughout the, throughout the letter to the Galatians, uh, it touches on freedom quite a lot of times. And that shows us that following the law, because of the law, is not freedom. It's not saying that the law itself is bad. It was given by God. But it's saying that being being subject to this legalism is not freedom in and of itself but allowing the spirit to come and work in us is freedom the law was fulfilled by christ and now we allow jesus to change us living in us through the spirit i want to break down 17 to 18 as well um this confused me a little bit but i, I was kind of going through it it says if in seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves also among the sinners, doesn't that mean Christ promotes sin? So he's just being completely ironic here. Um, he's almost laughing at them and saying, look, if, if you look at it this way, it sounds completely stupid. Why did you ever think this? Um, saying that Christ would promote sin. There is just no no way that they would even believe that. And so spinning the, spinning the argument that way breaks it down. So they insist... Upon, so the, the false teachers insist upon the law, saying you can't be saved without it. Meaning that turning to serve Christ instead of the law is sinful. Which is therefore saying that Christ himself is leading us to sin. So that's that's the, a very beautiful counter-argument to what they were teaching. And it's saying that our relationship with Christ would have been made worse through following him. That if we're still required to follow the laws, why did Christ bother coming he, he touches on that later on and and to us now a similar argument would be that if you were free from slavery why would you willingly return and that's almost what they're doing at this point they're saying look jesus has come to fulfill the law and yet you are saying that we're only saved by the law it just doesn't make any sense and so that's a bit of background to to where we're going to touch on now where we have this amazing news that Jesus has come to free us and to save us purely by faith and grace. We put our faith in him and we are saved. And because we are free from the law, our response is that we are free to serve Christ and be transformed by the Holy Spirit. We're free to serve Christ and be transformed by the Spirit. Look at verse 18, please. going to repeat this if i rebuild what i destroyed then i really would be a lawbreaker for through the law i died to the law so that i might live for god and the next bit 
I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is incredibly rich and I, there's no way I'll be able to get through all of it. But we, it's, part of what it's saying is we are united to Christ in his death. His death that bore our sin, bore our shame. Which means that our sinful past has been blotted out. Uh, a little helpful aside here is that it might be helpful to some of you. Sometimes I turn up to church on a Sunday and I think I'm not, I'm not worthy to worship. There's, there's been things I've done the week that I'm not proud of. There's, there's things that I just think should almost stop me from worshiping God. But I need to give myself a bit of a, a slap in the face and say, no, it's, it's the other way around. It's the guilt, the guilt and the shame is so strong that I tend towards cowering rather than praising. But we are justified. And our testimony is that we've been brought from death to life by his crucifixion. And that is why I want to worship more. That is, that is the, the, the fuel to my worship that I say, thank you, God, bringing that praise and saying, thank you that we are, we are saved. It's not, it's not through works. It's, there's, no way that I would, <laughs> there's no way that I'd be able to be saved by works because uh, there, there are things, even just in those last few days, that I'm, I'm sure would, would distance me from God. But he has come and he said, no, I love you. I want to I wanna save you. And I've given my son, paid the ultimate price. And that is why I come to worship. And looking at 19, verse 19 again, it says, um, next one, please. Next one, please. Sorry, verse 20. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So it's like some of what I was just touching on. But just a highlight where it says, the life I now live. So he's not saying we're not living anymore. He's not saying that, God has completely taken over our, our very being and we are just autonomous beings now. He's saying the life I now live, so it's still I living in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. So it's, it's the life I live, but it is in the faith, in faith in the Son of God. So in one sense, we, we live this life through faith in Christ. But in another, it's not we who live, but Christ in us, as he touches on. When Christ lives in us, we have new desires, not for, earth, not for earthly things. It's not that we are still earthly beings, but we are called to live in the world, but not of it. Meaning that we, we, we are transformed from these previous desires of things of money, fame, lust, and all sorts of things. And rather, God then transforms these, these desires into, into holiness, into the desires for God, relationship with Jesus, and for heaven. Paul later describes in the letter, I won't, I won't read that now, that the experience of being united with Christ is both passive, which means we're being, being led by the Spirit, and active, meaning we're walking in the Spirit. And that means that the life I live is both being led and actively walking. And those two things go hand in hand where we can't just say, right, you know, Jesus, I'm, I'm, I'm yours completely and expect to have to put no effort in whatsoever. Um, but there will be an element where Jesus leads us in that way. And at the same time, we have to actively walk in it. And those two things, if we marry those things together, we accept that Jesus is in control. 
and we also have to um, actively walk with the spirit at the same time so we're not we're not just empty shells that that god uses but rather christ is now the center of our lives in all we do if you've put your faith in jesus it means that our lives begin to revolve around in every little way and we live in obedience to him because he loved us and gave himself for us and again without going into complete (laughs) the complete richness of this this bit another another element of it is that if you've put your faith in jesus then you were nailed to the cross too. It's a part of your story that you have died and been raised to life through the fullness of of God. But the key point really is that the only way to get what Christ is to offer, as I was saying at the start, if you want more of Jesus, the only way to get what Christ is to offer is to be united to him by faith, where his story becomes our story. Because when we do that, God considers us as righteous as his own son. Not because we are actually righteous, but because we're in Christ. A helpful way might to look at it might be that <clears throat> you're not you are not clean in and of yourself, but when you are clothed with Jesus' robes that are white as as they can be, they're glowing and they're radiant, you can't then see the sin and, and, and God washes it away. I don't know if that's a helpful picture for you. But how do we actually invite him in? How do we actually uh, become united to him and and it's one one part of that is to make our heart his home and that's where the cheesy title can come in if you want to get your highlighter out and go over that again our heart is where jesus makes his home heart is where the home is for jesus that that when we put our faith in him that's where he begins to work and transform us to make us more and more like him and that is where we start to see the fullness of god coming into our lives It's through inviting Jesus to live in us, relinquishing our control to him and asking him to change us that we see that transformation, that we get more of Jesus, more of Christ. And some of you, maybe some of you have put your faith in Jesus for many years and maybe some of you are much nearer to it, maybe some of you haven't yet. But knowing God is not an instantaneous thing. It's a a gradual process. And um, flicking back to John 17, I haven't got the verse ready, but Jesus is praying to the Father and he says, I've made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and I myself may be in them. And it says continue to make. So it's just stating that it's not an instantaneous bang, you know them now, but it's, it's Jesus is continually working in us to continue to make the Father known more and more to us. But here's a challenge to you. What can God do when you let go of the things of this world and actually give him all you have. As I was saying at the start, it's, it's scary. It's not in our nature. As humans, we like to be comfortable. We like to uh, have security and safety in our own manufactured way, in the way that we know that we're familiar with in our, in our earthly ways. But we can't, it makes no sense to accept the, the gospel and yet still live in this lukewarm way where we kind of, you know, we, we go to church every week and we, we pray every now and then. But, but actually the fullness of, of God is in giving up all we have and allowing him to come and change us. If you were told that you'd won the lottery, 
but you had to sell your house to get it, for example. Bit of a weird thing. Maybe you've been contacted by your, your distant uncle prince from the Bahamas in, on an email or something, um, which probably is unlikely to be the actual lottery. But you're not going to go, oh, it's fine. I only want 10 quid from it. This doesn't make any sense. And it's the same with God. When God says, look, I have this rich blessing for you. And you go, okay, cool. I'll just, yeah, I'll just, I'll just go to church. It sounds fun. Doesn't really make any sense. And on top of that, we live in a selfish age. We live in one where people are obsessed with themselves. People get fixated on relationships with their own happiness, with their self-esteem and self-indulgence. But, but actually, what, what Paul is saying here is that not trusting in Christ actually declares the cross to be unnecessary. At the end it says, if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was, there was no need for Christ to die. Which, as I said, it actually just makes a mockery of that. It's saying that, yeah, okay, Christ died, but didn't really need to. That doesn't really make, make a difference. But what, what we should see from that is when we believe that Christ has died for us, it should change the whole, whole of our lives. And when you do die to your former self, you're, you're declaring that the world no longer revolves around you, but the view shifts to, to looking at God and having, having God as the centre of our lives. So as I say, we, we still have a normal existence. It says, yeah, I, live, I live in the flesh, but I'm united to Christ. I'm being changed and led by the Spirit. And I live in faith as Christ lives in me. And because he died for us, we want to relinquish that control. So it's just a challenge to allow God to lead rather than your own desires. It's, it's okay. It's good to have a plan. Um, but take it to God in prayer. Don't be surprised if it doesn't become the, what actually ends up happening. Almost expect it not to. But, um, and, and a little bit of what Lee touched on last week as well. That this too is worship. That actually allowing him to, to lead and, and allowing him to control our lives is is worshiping it's not just singing but we can worship through everything we do laying everything down giving everything to him and allowing him to work in us so actually believing in the good news of his death should become the focus of our lives and that could affect everything it can affect the huge decisions moving countries or it could affect little things and it might start subtly but become as I say, a process and just make your life look incredibly different. I, for those of us that have, have been putting our faith in Jesus for a long time, I'm sure you can't even imagine what your life would be like now. Um, and that's just an encouragement to any, anyone who is, is considering or anyone who has more recently put their faith in Jesus. Just um, you know, keep going and, and keep trusting in him as much as you can. And I'm sure you'll grow in that. So there are some practical things that have helped me a lot in my journey, and I just want to share a couple of them now, a couple of them with you now. For some people, it might be stepping out in faith, which might look like taking on a new serving role. So one of the things for me that's helped me the most is uh, back at university when I I was convicted of um, actually giving a lot of my time and serving in a few different ministry areas, some at church, some at different uh, other ministry ways and actually in that that's where I saw real growth in in joy and pleasure of serving him 
And it's kind of giving up that time, giving up what I have there to actually participate in not just giving you a little bit of what I have, but it's able to participate in building his kingdom. Um, and I do believe that when you give to God, he will abundantly bless what you give. And, and as I say, I think he did that through giving me a real, a real joy from it. It's not just a, a task that I had to do. It, it became something that I re- actually longed to do and I love doing it. And I, I still do now. It wasn't burdensome, but it was delighting in serving the one who actually gave everything for us. And in that, you might be thinking you don't have anything to offer. Um, but I think the Bible makes it clear that we, everyone has a gift and that we all function together. And so if you don't know what you have, you can ask some people around you. Maybe they've started to notice some things, uh, some some skills or traits that you have that would be useful in serving. Um, and if not, you could just go for it. I think, well, at least within at least within Rev, we, we really believe that uh, we want to encourage people just to step out and go for it. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out and no one's going to hold you to that and we're going to we're going to praise you and thank you for giving it a go. So just encourage you to, to have a think about that. For some, it might look like praying for God to take you to a new place. So um, basically, I moved here a couple of years ago and for a few months, I was just asking God why I was here. Like I, the work was fine. I basically moved up for work and work was fine, but I didn't, really, I didn't know that many people at that point. Uh, I hadn't found a church for a long time. Um, and I just kept praying into that. And looking back, I think all of those things have actually been flipped on their head. So whilst I, I ha- moved away from my friends and family, I now have friends and family up here. I moved away from kind of financial security and I now have more financial security. Not that these are the goal, but they're just a helpful demonstration of how, how actually giving up your, the former self and, and uh, allowing God to control your life can give him an opportunity to work in your life. Without without giving him that space, there is no opportunity there. Uh, for some people, it might look like serving others. This is something that I, basically this is, the, the, the last two examples were things that I particularly found uh, uh, helpful to me. And this one is one that I'm saying is something I'm trying to get get better at. And it, for me, the, the main one is trying to serve people that maybe you actually don't get so on so well with or people that, um, you know, people that are more of a risk. So I, I find it easy to serve people who are kind of low risk or people that I enjoy spending time with. And I'm trying to challenge myself to actually give up that to God and say, Give me a heart for serving those who it's harder to serve or uh, feel, or what feels at the time like is less rewarding. But I will, I know that giving that to God will will be rewarding in itself. And it also says back in, in Matthew that the least of all, uh, how, oh, I've written here. But it says back in Matthew that the le- how we treat the least of people is is basically how we treat Jesus, is, is how he puts it quite bluntly there and says that if we are, if we are serving uh, if we're not serving the poor or the needy or whatever, then that's as good as not serving Jesus in the same way. And it's particularly pertinent to those people at the time who were taking Jesus in, giving him food and wine and all sorts. Um, but then he says, but there was the, the homeless man on the street and you didn't serve them. And there, in that sense, there was no way of serving Jesus in that way. They should have been looking out for, for the others first. Um, so, yeah, that's there are many, many ways that you can start to to allow Jesus into your life and allow him to to work in you. And it will feel unnatural at times. It will go against our earthly desires. Like I say, as, as humans, it's not something we naturally tend towards being being bold and just doing things that look crazy to other people. Um, but we are not called to be of this world. If we 
only obey when it feels natural. That's not truly following Jesus. And when we trust in Jesus, what's true of him becomes true of us. His death and resurrection become ours. We belong to his family, not because we obey the laws, but because of what he did for us. We need the spirit to help us live lives truly representative of the good news of his resurrection. When a person trusts in Jesus, we depend on his spirit and our life becomes his. His life becomes ours. When our life, when we give our life to him, he gives his life to us.